Okay, so what, what are we talking about? What, what's the name of our series? Um, it's like, uh, okay, well, we're talking about James, right? James, okay, we're in the book of James. This is his half-brother, yep. and he's talking about, like, come to act as a husband. Okay, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. What do you think we're going to talk about today? Conflict? Fighting? Fighting? Okay. Half-brother of Jesus, where does he, what's he do? What's his job in the early church? Okay. Specifically, where? Leader of church in Israel. Or in Jerusalem, yes. Somebody said it over here. Alright. That's enough review. Let's turn to James chapter 4 today. And let's see what James has to say about why we fight. James chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And just verse 1. Go ahead. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? All right. That's some tough language. So where do wars and fights come from among you? It's a rhetorical question. He says, they come from lusts that war within your members. All right. So what does that mean? There are desires that we struggle with. We'll say worldly desires. Alright? So James says that this is the root of all disagreements, alright, conflicts. He says that because there is some evil or worldly desire at the root of every fight in each party, there is some motive, some desire that drives that behavior. All right? Notice that James doesn't care if there's a right or wrong party. All right? It doesn't matter because at the root of a disagreement, there's this worldly desire, this behavior. So you guys talk about being right. What kind of worldly desire would that be? Pride. Pride. Right. You guys talk about anger. What are some other things? You guys, I'm just asking to remember what you said. No, it's a fair enough list. Hatred. Okay. What if someone says to you, I'm fighting, I'm in a disagreement with this person because the Spirit of God compels me? The Spirit of God says that they're wrong. Is that a possibility? What are you about? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Take it upon yourself. Will the Spirit of God cause you to have a 
disagreement with somebody else. I'm not going to touch that. So we can ignore that. Uh, we can ignore if somebody says the Spirit of God uh, is the reason for their disagreement because the Bible says it comes from a worldly desire, right? The lusts of the heart. So it's not from the Spirit of God, okay? So we're left with only our own worldly desires. They are something, uh, they are things that we struggle with ourselves, and they spawn this outward struggle as well. So what are these desires? We listed a couple already. James has some ideas as well. Uh, verse 2. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Yet fight and war, ye, yet ye have not, because ye have not. Alright, so what was in there? You got pride, anger, and hatred already. We call that lust. Lust, kill, murder. Murder. So this murder here, it's intentionally a pretty drastic word. It's meant to shock you, all right? But he means the Sermon on the Mount type of murder where uh, anger without cause is the same condition of the heart as murder, all right? That's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. So murder and anger kind of go hand in hand. Now, absolutely, you should not murder. Uh, And it could cause disagreements, but we're expanding the definition, not limiting it. And James says that you can feel this way. You can lust and get angry and fight and scratch and claw your way to get what you want. But, what does he say at the end? It's all for nothing. All you will get from this conflict is dissatisfaction. All right? Who's Charles Spurgeon? You guys heard that name before? He's a famous preacher. Famous preacher? Do you know around the time frame he was preaching? Nope. He was preaching, he was born uh, early 1800s. He preached in the throughout the 1800s. All right. His nickname, he's got a name, the Prince of Preachers. So he wrote, he wrote in a sermon about this thing in particular. All right? He says this. This is the tragic irony of the life lived after worldly and fleshly desires. It never reaches the goal it gives everything for. This fundamental dissatisfaction is not because of a lack of effort. If the lusters fail, it is not because they did not set to work to gain their ends. For according to their nature, they use the most practical means within their reach and use them eagerly too. This helps us to rationally understand the folly of living life after the lusts of the world and our animal appetites. You are tempted to fulfill a sinful desire because you think or hope that it may be satisfied, but it will never be satisfied. Why not accept your lack of such satisfaction now instead of after much painful and harmful sin? All right. So what Spurgeon is saying is that we must accept uh, a sinful desire will never be satisfied, especially by carrying out that sin. All right. James says it right there at the end of verse 2. Uh, you fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. All right. So you, all of these 
worldly desires will never actually satisfy the need that you have. But James says, all we have to do is ask for what we need. Okay, so what will satisfy us? God will. All we have to do is ask. Uh, who's the next person in line? Eli? Can you turn to Psalm chapter 2? I'm going to talk about asking God for things. Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Alright, so this is God the Father talking to God the Son, Jesus, and he says, ask. So if God the Son has to ask God the Father, are we exempt from asking for anything? Alright. So we have to get in our head that Jesus is not exempt from asking, so we absolutely have to ask for the things that we need. If we have little of God in our life, it is because we have only asked for a little. So why is this important? Let's flip back to James now. James chapter 4, verse 3. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Alright, so James has already addressed the issue of no prayer, of not asking. Uh, now he addresses the heart of the issue today, which is selfish prayer. All right? When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he started with, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right? So thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is how you pray to ask <clears throat> for what you need. All right? So you need to say, God, align my will with yours. Thy will be done. And you will avoid this pitfall of selfish prayer. When we pray, we're not trying to persuade God to do what we want. Instead, our prayer needs to be, align my will with yours, God. So if we're on board with God, if our wills line up, we will ask God for things that he will most assuredly supply when we ask. So if we pray, but most importantly pray unselfishly, God will absolutely f fulfill our desires. If our desires are fulfilled, <clears throat> there will be no conflict in your life. All right? So if you pray for your will to be aligned with God's, your worldly desires will fall away. I think this is a good reminder of how we should deal with disagreements and conflict in our life. All right, so James says, step one, take a look at your motive. All right, if you're in a disagreement, search deep down and figure out why you're truly upset. Uh, and if you're honest with yourself, I'm confident you'll discover that your true motivation is one of those earthly desires. Anger, <clears throat> lust, 
pride. I want to be right. And then, pray. Ask for God's help. Ask him to help you with the reason for the conflict. All right. Remember that it doesn't matter who is right and who is wrong. The only one you can change is yourself. So ask God to come and align your will with his, and you'll be surprised how quickly that conflict subsides. So what happens if we choose not to align with God and continue to chase our desires? James gives us a warning. Let's read verse 4 and 5. James chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. The adulterers and adulteresses will ye not that the friends of the world is the enemy of God, whose ordinary will be as the enemy of the world is the enemy of God. To me, think that the scripture saith in him, the spirit that dwelt in us lusted to envy. So mine says, uh, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? What does that mean? The Bible doesn't actually 100% come out and say this word for word, but it's contextual. What does it mean that the spirit of God yearns jealously? Is it bad for the Spirit of God to be jealous? I think uh, it's just simply a restatement of the fact that you cannot serve two, two masters. Right? You can't serve God and the world at the same time. Right? That's all it means. So James starts this set of verses by addressing adulterers and adulteresses. Is he talking to everybody or is he talking to people who have just committed adultery? So he's talking to everyone because uh, Jesus is the bridegroom, right? And the church is his bride. So anyone who has sinned has been unfaithful to God. So he's calling out everybody here. James reiterates that we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve God and the world at the same time. So we must either follow our earthly desires and accept the conflict and dissatisfaction that the world provides, or we must wholly stand with God. There is no middle road. Either your will is aligned with God and you serve him, or you are his enemy. So we know now that we need to pray to ask God to align our will with his, but what does that actually look like? James goes on to explain. Uh, verse 6 through 10, please. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the power, and give grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will be humble. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. The afflicted and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. All right. So when we pray for our will to be aligned with God's, the process of change will result in us becoming more humble. As we draw closer to God, he will draw closer to us. As we actively deny our sinful nature, the devil will flee. 
as we become more humble, our sin will become the thing that we hate. That's what it means there when it says, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. What you're lamenting and mourning over is that, yeah, we're going to mess up. But as we become more humble, as our will uh, aligns with God, we begin to hate our sin. All right? And so whenever we trip up, we mourn that we did. All right? But even as we mourn, when we ask for forgiveness, the Lord shall come and lift us up. We recognize that our strength and everything that we uh, have comes from God, which only helps us to become more humble and less prideful. So there you have it, uh, what James has to say about conflict in your life. If you are at war with someone in your life, take a good look at your motivation. Conflict with others always stems from worldly desires. Then pray, ask God to change you, to bring your will in line. Through his grace, he will answer your prayers and make you more humble, which in turn will resolve that conflict. And I think it's interesting interesting to think about what must have happened, uh, what was going on in the early church. Remember, James is the leader of the early church in Jerusalem. What was going on that caused him to write this little 10-verse passage? Right? Sometimes, at least I think, that the early church was this you know, well-working system, uh, you know, aside from all the persecution. Uh, but this lesson is a healthy reminder that everyone is human. All right? We all have disagreements and conflicts with others, whether it's now or 2,000 years ago. All right? So this lesson is pertinent now as well as 2,000 years ago. We all have the responsibility to pray and involve God in this conflict resolution and become, become more humble in the process. Thanks.